today on this episode of the PV Roundup Special Spotlight. It really wasn't something that primary care physicians were thinking about um, very much. Over 50% said they didn't even consider it as a cause of disease in adults presenting with upper respiratory infections. Today, Drs. Angela Branch and Laura Hurley join the podcast to discuss primary care physicians' perspectives on RSV disease burden in adults in this PV Roundup Specialist Spotlight. All opinions expressed are those of the presenters and do not necessarily reflect the views of this educational initiative's supporters. Hello, I'm Angela Branch, an Associate Professor of Medicine and an Infectious Disease Physician at the University of Rochester Medical Center. I'm also the co-principal investigator of the University of Rochester's Vaccine and Treatment Evaluation Unit. Hello, I'm Laura Hurley. I'm an Associate Professor in the Department of Medicine at the University of Colorado and a practicing general internist and health services researcher at Denver Health. Welcome, Laura. Great to speak with you today. Thanks for having me. So today, Laura, I'd like to talk about a few topics related to RSV in adults. To start, um, I'm interested in how you and your colleagues um, and other primary care physicians in general what your perception is of RSV disease burden in, in adult populations. Can you discuss that a little? I, I sure can. Um, back in 2017, before this COVID pandemic experience, we did a survey uh, regarding um, primary care physicians' perceptions of RSV in adults and found that it really wasn't something that primary care physicians were thinking about um, very much. Um, over 50% said they didn't even consider it as a cause of disease in adults presenting with upper respiratory infections. And over about 75% said that they, they think that influenza is a more concerning virus in the adult population. Since the pandemic and doing fluvid testing, I would say there's been more awareness of RSV, but still not, not very common a condition that we think about in adult medicine. Yeah, I know that that might be partially related to some diagnostic challenges um, for RSV in adults, uh, particularly in primary care or ambulatory settings. Um, can you speak to how you make diagnoses of, of RSV infections in adult populations in an ambulatory care setting? Um, well, it, it depends on, on doing testing. So really, um, we haven't tested in an outpatient setting until the COVID pandemic and the development of this fluvid testing, which is PCR testing for three respiratory viruses, RSV, flu, and COVID. And um, with that, we are seeing a smattering of cases of RSV in the adult population, but we hadn't historically routinely tested for it. RSV presents a lot of diagnostic challenges because it's not a unique um, presentation. There's nothing that signals something being RSV versus another respiratory infection. And often RSV, it, it causes exacerbations of underlying disease. And so instead of 
calling something an RSV infection and a congestive heart failure exacerbation, we tend to just label it a congestive heart failure exacerbation. And thirdly, um, the antigen testing is commonly used to diagnose RSV in children. Um, it is not particularly helpful in adults because the viral load um, in adults is lower, so the antigen testing is often not positive even when an adult has RSV uh, disease. It only is positive in about 30% of cases of adults who have RSV. Yeah, and so we're we're living in a time of the so-called triple-demic where, you know, we have influenza, sars coronavirus 2 and RSV all circulating at the same time. But I can foresee sometime in the future when um, they, these things might circulate at different times of the year, or at least not completely overlapping seasons. Do you think that sort of a new awareness of respiratory viruses in general will change practices for primary care physicians and, and they'll start thinking about and testing for RSV, even if there's, if we're not in the middle of flu season or, you know, we're not in the middle, middle of a COVID um, wave? I, I think one of the big barriers to testing, Angela, is that will it change management? And, and I'm not certain that it will. I, I have read some research out of England where they've argued we should be testing for RSV, particularly in the frail elderly, because we can um, isolate them. And, you know, if they're living in a nursing home, perhaps prevent spread to other residents within a nursing home. Um, additionally, if we know an elderly individual has RSV and is at risk for decompensation, we can be monitoring them a little bit more closely. But I, I can tell you, I, given the expense of, of testing um, without, you know, an effective treatment specifically for RSV, I'm not sure we're going to start testing more for it in the outpatient setting. Do you think it might be a winning argument for increased testing that knowing someone has RSV um, isn't necessarily about what you would do about it, about but more than what you wouldn't do, like prescribe antibiotics or um, order, you know, echocardiograms or things like that. Maybe that's a, a reason to know someone has RSV so that you don't do unnecessary things. Um, I think it's a great point. I we are pretty. It, at least in my personal practice, I think we're pretty adept at trying not to prescribe um, antibiotics for what really seems like a, a viral illness. But I know nationally and internationally that is a problem. So I, I think you're you're making making a fair point for for testing. It's just a question of figuring out the economics of that. Yeah. Yeah. So treatment and, and is obviously still a challenging thing, um, but prevention might be something in the near future uh, that we have access to, which brings us to the topic of the pending vaccines, um, several of which are uh, in phase three trials and, and may be approved in the next few years. Um, if these get approved, there will obviously you know, have to be some time for uptake and adoption and, and just getting general awareness out there, um, both in practitioners and in the in general public. 
Uh, can you discuss a little bit some of the barriers to uh, having RSV vaccines um, be widely adopted in, in adult populations? Uh-huh. So my, my study from 2017, which honestly feels like a completely different era at this point, the, the primary barriers that we found were, were financial, which I do a lot of survey research with primary care physicians, and they, they always mention that the finances of the vaccines are the most important barrier because unlike the, the vaccine for children's program, we don't have an equivalent program to make sure our most vulnerable adult, or financially vulnerable adults have access um, to the vaccines. I think in the current era, there, there's probably more barriers. Um, I think there is a lot of um, vaccine fatigue uh, among individuals with, uh, that have been experiencing the, the COVID vaccine program with the you know, frequent recommendations um, for boosters. Um, I also think that there's concern about having to co-administer um, several types of respiratory um, vaccines to maximally protect an individual. So um, there's been talk of COVID vaccines becoming an annual vaccine. We've already had a universal recommendation for influenza since uh, 2010 for everyone six months and older. And now we're talking about potentially um, having an RSV vaccine. And I think there'll be concerns about co-administration um, of vaccines. I think the, there's also concerns and uh, ongoing concerns about the, the vaccine financing. Um, if a vaccine is recommended by the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, um, most private insurance, um, other than those that were grandfathered, um, should cover um, the vaccine without any cost to the patient. Um, historically, Medicare has still had challenges in terms of coverage of um, vaccines, but with the Inflation Reduction Act um, that will take effect um, this year, their Medicare um, beneficiaries should not have, have to um, pay for vaccines. Um, it, that will be uh, dependent on ACIP recommending um, RSV vaccines. That Inflation Reduction Act will also offer access of vaccines to Medicaid patients uh, without a cost, um, to my knowledge. But th there, there are several, several challenges, but also several products, um, two of which were actively discussed at the ACIP meeting back in October and are um, due to be discussed at the, the February ACIP meeting and three others that will uh, complete phase three trials uh, in 2023. So it's an exciting time, um, but it will be determined how easy the implementation of an RSV vaccine uh, program will be. Yeah. So lots of barriers to address and, and some um, strategies to really work through and develop for the next several years. Um, thank you for joining me today, Laura. This has been really great, and I really appreciate your insight into um, everything from vaccines to testing adult populations in the amateur care setting. Thank you. 
And that's today's Specialist Spotlight. Thank you for joining us for this episode of PV Roundup Podcast. For more stories like these, visit us at pvroundup.com to subscribe to our weekly newsletters. Thoughts, comments, or suggestions? Please leave us a review on your preferred listening platform or email us at editorial at pvroundup.com. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or Google. You can also download our Amazon Alexa Flash Briefing Medical News Roundup and just ask, what's my Flash Briefing? Thanks today to our guests, Dr. Angela Branch and Laura Hurley, and to Sean Mullen for production assistance. Join me next time for an episode where we cover the latest stories in the world of medicine. <laughs>